Welcome to the 401k Audit CPA Success Show, where we're 100% focused on helping companies across the United States prepare for their 401k audit. If you have 100 eligible participants in your 401k plan, then this podcast is for you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's podcast. We are joined once again by our audit director, Kim Moore, to talk about uh, everybody's favorite issue and pricing. Um, so I'm excited to, to dive into this topic. And so, um, Kim, I'm just going to start off with a, a really quick question. So um, there, are, there are some areas in life, um, I know everybody's a little bit different, where it's, it's okay to really look to save that money. You know, one of the areas that, that's good for me is cereal. If I'm at the grocery right. store and I'm, I'm looking at Lucky Charms <laughs> and the, the generic Lucky Charms are there and they're, they're half the price, I'll probably just buy the generic ones. So, um, so does audit fall into this category? Is this an area where you're always looking for the, the biggest discount? Yeah, probably not a good idea to be doing that. Um, I'm, I'm totally with you. Um, I always compare it to potato chips. Potato. You know, you, you can go to a variety of stores and get different, you know, and you can get fancy potato chips. But um, for a lot of us, it's just, I just want the, the generic, good old fashioned, uh, plain old potato chips. And I uh, don't want to pay a lot of money for fancy extra ones. Um, no, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because it, it's uh, something that we run across a lot. Um, the potential clients that call us that they just found out they need an audit in the first place, they're shocked because they didn't know that was even an option. Um, and then they don't know what it is. Um, and then they think it's going to be a few bucks and they find out it's thousands of dollars. And so then they're really picking themselves up off the floor. Um, so to, to most folks, they look at this, it's a required um, item that they need per ERISA requirements per department labor requirements, et cetera. So uh, no real value to me as a, as a person that is running a 401k plan, other than I need to do it per compliance requirements. We all have a lot of compliance things we have to adhere to that we may not really like or not agree with, but it's, it, you know, it's uh, kind of like one of those death and taxes things. You got to do it. Um, and so they're really looking at they're all alike. At the, one is the same. One audit firm is the same as another. They're all giving me this thing called an audit, whatever it is. Um, so I'm going to find somebody who can do this. And then I'm going to go by price. So whoever's the cheapest one. Um, the reason why that's kind of a bad idea is that these are very technical audits. They're um, not only is it an audit, which is a unique thing that's different than what you might hire an accountant to do, say, prepare your tax form or, um, you know, look at your books or, or, or run payroll for you, things like that. Um, audit is its own unique specialization, but within audit, benefit plan auditing is again, another layer down of specialization. They're very technical audits. There's, uh, and we've talked a lot in previous uh, podcasts about how the rules are changing all the time. You need to make sure you're up with the current regulations. Um, so just going to any firm that says, sure, I'd be happy to do that audit for you. And uh, you know, I'm gonna be the cheapest one around um, that doesn't guarantee that they don't know what they're doing, but um, in a lot of cases, those are folks that they don't, um, they're not up to date with the most current regulations. Um, they're not up to date with the most current accounting rules. Um, and ultimately, and a lot of folks don't understand this either, um, you're hiring an auditor to do the audit and you expect the auditor to have knowledge. I mean, that's why you're hiring them. Um, and because they're independent, that's kind of the key concept there. But at the end of the day, the regulations specify that it's the plan sponsor's responsibility to make sure the plan is compliant. That includes making sure the Form 5500 is filed on, on time and that it's accurate, complete, et cetera, along with the audit report. So they're really holding the plan sponsor 
uh, responsible for making sure the audit gets done. It's on time. It, it's complete. Everything's been done that's supposed to be done. If the Department of Labor would come in and audit the plan audit, because um, they do audit the auditors, but if they audit that and find that it's lacking in some reason, um, they're going to come back to the plan sponsor and hold them responsible, not the auditor. That's just the way, doesn't make a lot of sense in some respects, but that's the way the regulation works. So, you know, I know it's a long-winded answer to your question, mm -hmm. but price matters. Um, and it doesn't mean that a good firm that knows what they're doing can't charge a reasonable rate. So just because it's cheaper doesn't mean it's not any good. Um, but it also shouldn't be your one sole thing that you're you're determining who you're going to use as your auditor. Yeah, I think that that's kind of like the, the buyer's life cycle, right? Like you you find out you need something, so then you look at it, and a lot of times you're often shocked with the price, and so then you're like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna look for the cheapest option, and then you know you kind of get over that sticker shock, and you're like, well, am I really looking for the cheapest option, or am I looking for the best option? So then you kind of right. have to figure out what what makes the best option. I know we're gonna get into that in a, a couple minutes here, but um, we'll we'll talk through that. But before we go down that path, um, let's talk a little bit about the type of fees that are charged. So I know um accountants have lots of different ways to charge fees. So what, what, what do you see out there um, in, in the world? Yeah, and, and this has been changing. Um, we here at Summit use fixed fee pricing for just about everything that we do. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. It, it, it is easier for us. Uh, it's easier to bill um, when everybody knows what the pricing is going to be up front. But we find that a lot of the clients like it because they know ahead of time the price they're going to pay. It, it's not an estimate. Um, it's not a guess. It's, you know, and as you need these audits year after year after year, it's easier to budget each year um, if you have a general sense of how much it's gonna cost. The other ways that we see people um, do this is just strictly an hourly rate. You know, So-and-so is gonna work on your audit, their hourly rate is whatever it is, and however long it takes them to do the audit is how much it's gonna cost. Um, if you've been using that firm for a long time, it probably doesn't vary a lot. So there, it may not be that much different. But if you're looking for a an audit firm for the first time, or you're looking to maybe shop around and, and see what else is out there, that kind of comparison gets very difficult because all the audit firms aren't going to do exactly the same thing. Um, I might do the audit a little quicker than somebody else, or I might take a little longer. Obviously, if it's just a per hour rate that that can fluctuate a lot. Um, a lot of firms also will do some upfront um, discussion with the client to find out what kind of plan do they have, um, what types of transactions do they have, how many people, you know, just get a sense of how complex do I think the audit is going to be. And then from that, I'll give you an estimate. Um, you know, sometimes it's just that it's an estimate, it might be double that. Um, sometimes it'll be an estimate, um, it's going to, the cost is going to vary from here to here, you know, and they'll give you a range. Um, some of them will say, well, my estimate is so much, but if I see these things happening, which could happen as I, as I really dig into things, then it's going to increase by, um, you know, by so much, or just it'll increase. You wouldn't know how much. Um, and that's why we like the fixed fee because, um, and we're going to get into a little bit more depth here, but our fixed fee, we have a base price that an audit will never really go below that unless there's something unusual about the, the particular client, but base price. And then from there, we're going to add on to that, depending on the answers to the few questions. Again, we're going to get into, and that will determine your fixed fee. And as long as nothing changes throughout the audit that causes those answers to be incorrect. You know, if, if you're telling us one thing and it turns out it, that's not true, it's really something else, 
of course, we would have to adjust fee. But as long as all of those things, you've checked those out and that's actually the answers to the questions and, and, and that's how it goes throughout the audit, that will be the price. Um, our pricing, the payment part of it's pretty simple as well. We require in, in a regular audit, 50% um, of the total fee, that fixed fee, which is just a strict dollar amount. So 50% of that amount upfront, 50% at the end when we give you the draft report. Um, we also offer a scheduling discount at the beginning of the year. So if you were to schedule with us today, we're, we're in August um, of, a, of a year, um, you know, we, this wouldn't be applicable to you for this year, but if you would have us do the audit next year at the beginning of the year in January, we offer a 10% discount on that full returning client fee um, as a discount for coming back, for scheduling early, for allowing us to get going on your audit early. So, and 10%, you know, these audits, they range generally between around nine, $12,000 is, is a good rule of thumb. Um, so, you know, 10% isn't a small amount. So, no, not at all. And I think the, a lot of people like that. Getting back to the um, hourly rate thing, I think anytime where it's something that's regulatory, that's that's a very difficult place to get into when it comes to hourly rates. I think a lot of people hear the hourly rate, they're like, okay, I can I can save time by having short phone calls or by doing these doing these couple of things. But when it comes to something that's regulatory, like and as an audit is, like there's a lot of requirements and there's a lot of things there that is. we as auditors need to do. And so I think if um, you know, like, oh, I'm going to save money here because I'm not going to have them do steps A, B, and C, and they're going to say, well, I can't give you an audit opinion until that's I do right. steps. A, B, and C. So it's uh, you don't really have as much control in this area as you think you would. In, in that's other areas. So that's that's exactly right, Jamie. I mean, I I don't think you're not doing yourself a favor trying to go that route because you could just delay it. Um, that will cost you time because they're going to bill you mm -hmm. for every time that they've got to contact you. Um, and it's just this big unknown hole. I mean, you, you, you really know don't know how long it's going to take, and you're going to get yourself in a bad spot because. Then you're going to be up against the deadline, the, the fees, and we've talked about this on the blog, on the podcast as well, the fees for missing those deadlines, um, they can get into the tens of thousands, a $50,000, $100,000 fine from the Department of Labor is not unusual. So you don't want to miss those dates. And now if you're saying, well, I don't want to do those steps, as you mentioned, the auditor's not going to give you the report. Now you can't file. And so it could end up costing you a lot more money in the end. So and at that point, usually when you when you get to that point, it's too late to bring someone else in because you know the, the audit That's really correct. is time sensitive and it takes it takes several months, if not um, you know, a, a really yeah. good, it takes it takes time yeah. to get these done. So if you're in the if you're at that point where you're like, okay, I need this audit opinion, and the auditor's not doing step these steps, then you're probably in trouble. So you want to make sure that you just get that. Again, I, I'm a big fan of the fixed fee when it comes to stuff like this. Just know what you're paying, yeah. know what that amount is, and know that you're gonna know what the product is, know that you're gonna end up with um, an audit opinion. So I think that's yeah. the, that's the and I, I think for most financial folks, you know, risk is a, is a big part of any decision that you're making like this. And I think it just takes a lot of the risk out of it. You know, they're going to deliver a product, you know, hopefully you've done your due diligence, you know, it's going to be quality product and you know what you're going to pay for it. And, you know, given the circumstances, you know, if it's, if you're going to them late in the year, you might have to pay a little more to get it, but you know what you're going to pay. And um, instead of it, oh, well, I just found out this. And so now I got to charge a little more. Oh, and I just found this. And, you know, and then it's an ongoing yeah. <laughs> kind of nightmare. You, you, you never know how much it's going to cost. So 
yeah, it doesn't, doesn't sound like a fun world to live in for sure. <laughs> Especially being on the other side yeah. of some of these audits. I can't imagine if they were, uh, if they were T&M because every time I'd go to the client and be like, oh yeah, by the way, we have to do a second round of testing. Like I could just see the money signs in their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. Yes, yeah. yes. And I think from the client standpoint too, they, they always wonder if it's um, just strictly a time element um, you know, why did it take you five hours to do that? You should have been able to yeah. do it in an hour. And right. so now I'm going to pay, you know, all that extra money. So I, I, it just leads to a lot of uncomfortable conversations, I think, too. So that's, that's, so. that's point number one to take away from this podcast is definitely look for those fixed fee arrangements and, and try to avoid the, um, the hourly ones, because in this area, hourly is just a very difficult um, path to walk down. Yeah. So, so yeah. let's talk totally a little bit agree. about our, um, our billing process and our, our, um, estimating process kind of the steps we look at and then again we can talk about how other companies do this differently but this is what we look for and why we look for these items right as i mentioned we have a base fee um that's currently nine thousand dollars obviously subject to change and then we add on costs or not depending on how folks answer the question um first thing is the number of participants so the number of people that are actually eligible to participate in the plan and I will always usually also try to ask folks as I'm talking to them, um, how many people are, are actually participating? You might have a plan that has, you know, 500 people that can be in the plan, but only 20 actually are. That's a much different scenario than 500 people and 490 are actually in the plan. So um, those are kinds of things. And, and I think you're going to find most auditors, if you're kind of calling around and asking for pricing, that's one thing that's probably going to be pretty consistent. Everybody's going to want to know that because, it drives all of the activity that may or may not occur in a plan. And obviously the 500 people participating versus 20, there's gonna be a lot more of every kind of activity for 500 people versus 20. So um, I think that's something you're gonna see with, with just about everybody. Um, it's gonna be a common thing you're gonna to need to know. So uh, and it, it quick, makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. So going to what we mentioned earlier. So red flag number one, if you're going to someone and looking for an audit and they give you a price and they never ask this question, then they might not know what they're doing. <laughs> yes, yes. And I, I think it, it also would lead you down the path of thinking, um, especially if it's an hourly thing, that they may be thinking, well, it's an average plan. So maybe half the people that you, you tell me a number and it's half the people, if they're not asking how many are actually participating, they may totally underestimate how much it's going to cost. So even if they give you a good ballpark range, if they're not driving down into the details, probably the range isn't going to be right. And you're going to be back to the, I thought it was going to be X and now it's, it's actually X plus something. So yeah, very good. Very good point. You can even um, get in trouble with, with fixed fee on that. Like someone says this audit's going to cost you 10,000 and they, they were thinking you were a 200 person plan and you're actually an 800 person plan. They, they, they can still come back after the fact and try to say, Hey, this took us three times as long as we thought we need more money from you. And, and, and they could, they could still do stuff like that. Am I correct in that? Um, that's right. Yeah, so. that's absolutely right. And they've got you over a barrel because, you know, you're you're down to the deadline. You need the audit. What are you going to And most firms will require the payment. So what are you going to do? You know, you, you really it's almost like you're being held hostage, really. Um, the, the next thing that um, I wanted to talk about um, is first year audit. So, you know, if you just stop and think about any type of service arrangement that you might in, get involved in. The first time you're working with a provider for a service, they've got to get to know you, they've got to know your processes, they've got to know your setup. Um, they've got to set up things on their end, because obviously they wouldn't have done any work for you before if it's the first time. 
there's a lot of things like that in a first time audit that are very similar. And so we charge in, in our case, we charge an extra thousand dollars if it's the first time audit for us. And that now that could be first time audit for the plan. So maybe they've never been audited at all or they've been audited before, but by someone else, we still have to charge that fee. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, we've got to understand the plan, the plan document, how it works. We've got to understand their service provider, their reporting, what's available, what isn't. Um, we've got to understand the processes and the control. So who does what with the plan? Usually it's the companies doing some, the providers doing some, there's a payroll element to this. So we've got to get a good understanding of all of that. Um, we've got to set up all of our work papers, you know, and um, it, which sounds simple, but it actually takes a good bit of time. So that's all a part of why we're charging the thousand dollars. There's, which that kind of probably makes sense to everybody. They would figure, well, yeah, it's, you know, I've never seen it before. So of course you got to get in there and get an understanding. Something unique though, for benefit plan audits. And if you've had other kinds of audits, um, this will be different. Um, audit standards require, um, especially on the benefit plan side, the very first schedule you'll see in an audit report um, the, that financial statement needs to be comparative. So I may hire you to do the 2020 plan year because that's for sure I need an audit. We will also have to include 2019 information, again, accounting requirement. So we're going to have to dig in. We're going to have to get some information on 2019. That part's not unusual. I mean, that you would see that in other audits. What's different in benefit plan audits um, and it's unique to them is that we are required per audit standards to go in and look at, at a participant level that beginning balance. So participant A started the year uh, with, so let's say $1,000 in their plan and then things happen. Obviously we're gonna audit all of that information if they happen to be one of our sample items. But the audit standards also require, we gotta do steps to validate that that $1,000 was correct. Um, now that doesn't mean we go back and audit 20 years um, prior information. And it's gonna, those procedures are gonna vary based on the situation, the audit firm, what they do. But every firm is required to do that work. And, and that can take quite a lot of time depending on how long the plan's been around, um, the changes that they've made at the plan level throughout the years. Um, so every situation is gonna be a little different, but that's why that $1,000 is there, is, is primarily for that reason, but also for the other things that I mentioned, so. And when you're, you're signing up for an audit, it's usually a, a one-year engagement, right? So like if I'm signing right. up for an audit from you, it's a, it's a one-year engagement. So you basically say, okay, this year it's going to be 13,000. And then and within the engagement letter, do you say next year it'll drop a thousand or how do you? No, we company? don't. We don't put that in there. Um, we'll talk about that um, as I'm as I'm talking to a new client, um, and sometimes even returning clients will will ask because uh, they want to know for budgeting purposes. Usually, um, we can give an estimate for future years, um, unless but unless we're doing multiple years together, that does happen where someone um, has you know, miss something and they come to us and say, hey, I really needed a 2019 and a 2020 audit. Uh, it's the 2020 plan year um, cycle, you know, so we might do two years that obviously we can give them a fixed fee price for both years. But if someone were to say, hey, what's it going to cost me for a 2021 year audit, I can give them you know, under our current pricing structure, here's what it would look like. And then the discount um, period. But I can't guarantee that price because obviously, you know, Things of him. and we've been, yeah, yeah we, we've been through a couple of years where things have been really uh, 
kind of all over the place. So, um, you know, especially right now, it's it's difficult to do that. But we can definitely give you a good estimate of, of what we think it's going to be. So. I think the key here, too, is, is and I, I can touch on this, but like, you know, I think the, the first year of going through with a new auditor is a lot of new work for the auditor, but it's also different for you as the as the customer. So I think like when you are signing up with this auditor, I would look at it as a long-term relationship because you're not going to want to sign a new auditor every year because you're going to have to answer the same questions. You know, they're going to have to answer, they're going to come in and right. to relearn the plan. They're going to have to understand your risks. They're going to have to understand your investments, your transaction quantities. Like if you were changing auditors every year, it's going to be a lot more work for you every year and in the long run probably cost you more. So I think when you are interviewing auditors, think of this as a long-term relationship, even though you are only signing a one-year engagement letter. Well, yeah, absolutely. That very good point, Jamie. And we look at that that way as well. You know, we want to sign someone for, you know, obviously for this year, but we're looking at them all to be long-term relationships, unless for some reason the plan ends or something, but um, you know, we want to retain them. It's better for us um, for a lot of reasons, financial being one, but also, you know, we gain a familiarity and we don't have to repeat the work that, that I talked about in the first year audit we're going to touch on the next year, but we're not going to go through and do it in the depth um, unless that would be needed for some reason, but usually not. So yeah, definitely you don't want to be changing auditors every year. This is not, I mean, we go back to the price shopping. This isn't something that every year you want to go out and see, well, who, who can I, you know, right. can I shave a thousand dollars or hundred dollars off of this? Cause you're going to eat up that savings in, in all the time and effort you're going to have to put in. So definitely <laughs> not a good idea. <laughs> um, one other thing I'll mention just kind of really quickly, this comes up sometimes, but not a lot. You know, we've got to get reporting on all kinds of things related to the audit, all of the activity that happened, and then where the, the assets stand at the end of the year. So anytime you're making changes to the plan in the middle of a year, um, so example, I'm, I'm hired to audit the 2020 plan year in the middle of 2020, I changed from payroll provider A to B. Um, you know, I went from ADP to paychecks, just as an example. <clears throat> that doesn't sound, you know, that that's payroll. What does that have to do with 401k? Well, it, it has a lot to do with it. The payroll, um, obviously, you're withholding amounts <clears throat> from people's compensation, um, which then should end up in their 401k plan account. So every time you're making a change to a payroll provider, a record keeper, a TPA, or a custodian, that's going to cause us more work. So we have, um, in our case, it's a $750 additional fee if that happens. Um, not a lot of money, but um, it, it is necessary because it does cause us extra work. If you're moving plans as well, so you're the you're changing custodian, so you're moving the assets from one place to another. There is definitely extra work because we've got to verify that the transfer was complete. So you didn't lose, you know, a couple thousand dollars along the way. Somehow it got left behind um, or it th things got moved around. So between the 500 participants that you have, they're all still in there, but their amounts are completely different now because they all got the money got all moved around between participants. So we have to do testing around that, which I kind of think it's intuitive, makes sense. Um, so there's a little bit of an extra charge for that. Um, I always like to point that out because we get questions from our current um, clients is, you know, is there anything I should let you know in between audits? And this would be one, because if you're thinking of changing one of these providers or, or, or suppliers, um, it, it may be necessary. And the $750 is no big deal, but if it's to save a couple hundred dollars and it's going to charge you <laughs> $750 on your next audit, then it's probably not worth it. So definitely one of those things you want to communicate to your auditor if, if you're considering doing that and they can let you know what does that mean to you? Because obviously it'd be different for different firms. Um, the, the other major thing that I definitely wanted to bring up 
which will um, cause a difference in pricing. And currently the, the difference in pricing is $1,500 on this particular item for us. Currently, and we're doing this, this podcast in August of 2021, uh, if you're listening to this uh, next year, 2022 or, or later on, uh, the verbiage is going to change a little bit here. Currently, we're in um, the audit requirements where we have something called a limited scope and a full scope audit. That's going to change to a very complicated um, terminology. It's going to go to a um, SAS 103A3C type audit or a non 103A3C audit. So the limited scope will become a 103A3C. The full scope will become the non 103A3C. Um, just wanted to point that out in case you're seeing something on other websites or other podcasts you're hearing about, and you're like, "Well, what are they? You know, those are different." Well, no, they're not. They're really the same thing. Um, so forgetting that terminology difference, um, ERISA, which is of course a congressional act that was passed back in the 70s, has a provision in it that actually created the need for the audit in the first place. It also has a provision that allows if your asset holder, so now this would be the, the entity that's physically holding the assets, uh, can provide a valid asset certification. I'm going to get into a little bit more on that here in a minute. Then the auditor is allowed to rely on that certification for the ending asset balances, the gain loss on those assets throughout the year and especially at year end, and then the pricing on the audits, um, kind of on the transactions as they go through the year, um, which can be pretty significant um, of a difference in work compared to being able to rely on that versus not rely on it. Um, so that's the reason for the change, the, that, that difference in pricing. Now, what we found is that the vast majority of our clients and prospective clients can use the limited scope option. And um, professional um, guidance that's gone out in this area where they study it. I mean, the, the numbers are up in the 90 percentile of limited scope versus full scope. There's, there's not a lot of full scope required audits left. So probably your, you know, if you're, you're listening to this and you think I might need an audit in the future, probably it'll be a limited scope, but you need to be aware of this because it's not always true. Um, I mentioned that asset certification, there are specific rules around that. Um, it, it obviously, they have to be able to provide the certification. There's specific verbiage um, that has to be included in it. It has to be provided by the asset holder company. It has to be actually physically signed. I mean, an email is not sufficient. It has to be signed by someone. It has to be someone from the company in a position that can provide that. So not just anybody can give it to you. If you have a local rep, they're not, it's not appropriate for them to be signing in. It has to be somebody in a position of authority. The biggest hurdle though, is that ERISA only allows this for entities that are regulated and they're routinely audited on their own. Generally, that's gonna be an insurance company regulated at the state level or a bank or trust company, which are regulated at the federal level. And they're audited by separate auditors on separate schedules and you know different, different criteria, but they're audited on a regular basis. So uh, Congress, when they put together this act, felt like, you know, we don't really want individual plan sponsors to have to pay for an audit of something that's already kind of been covered in, in other ways. So that's why the rule is there. Um, it, just because I can get a certification as an auditor doesn't mean I can accept it. I, I've seen them come in from broker dealers as an example. That is specifically excluded. So I cannot accept, even though it could meet all the other criteria, if it's from a broker dealer, I can't accept it. So there are specific rules. So, you know, my, my suggestion in this space um, 
if you just found out you need an audit and you're not sure about any of this, ask your provider, you know, can you give me a copy? Um, that's the best way. And then you can share it with the auditors that you're talking to. They can take a look at it and say, yeah, that would work or no, this is going to be a problem because of, you know, X, Y, Z. That's not a surprise you're going to want to find later on. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you're not going to exactly. want to get halfway through the audit and find out, oh, actually, you guys aren't limited scope. You know, we need to, that's we need right. to change that because that, again, will add time to the audit and, um, and, and put you at risk of not, of not getting an audit opinion. So I think that's really important. And again, you know, all questions to ask ahead of time of um, if you are planning on changing your asset holder or you're just setting up a plan, you know, these are good questions to ask them because, again, you're going to want to. I, I personally would want the security of knowing that they get audited, knowing that the investments are um, are going to be reviewed, as opposed to having to have a, an audit do it directly. Which again, I think to Kim's point, like I know in my years of audit, I never saw something that wasn't limited scope. It doesn't doesn't happen that often, but it is important. And then I guess my only other thought was just crazy that they're changing the name from something simple like a limited scope on it to a, I've read your notes four times in there to a 103A3C. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's like the most yeah. accountant thing in the world you could do. I know. I know. It's very confusing. And everybody's like, what, why would you do that? But those initials actually refer to the space in ERISA that actually refers to this, but yeah. I saw, my, ba- yeah. You saw me baffled if you're watching the video as she was talking to me. Like, really? Yeah. I can't oh, believe oh, they're oh. Doing what, did that. She, what did she just say? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh, I know it, it sounds very legalese, but um, yeah. that's actually what it's going to be. At, and there will be no more limited scope. So that that um, terminology will go away. Uh, the That process I described, though, will be same. exactly the same. Yeah. So none, none of that's going to change. Um, one last thing I wanted to mention in this space is that another thing to be careful of is the certification may not cover all the assets. So we've seen examples where uh, a plan has their assets with a provider, you know, I could, I could say like a Fidelity or a Schwab, but they also have a separate, uh, I have a bank account over here that is also related to the plan. I have a life insurance policy or policies that certain participants have. Those kinds of things tend to not be covered by the certification. Um, so that's something you'd want to bring to your auditor's attention up front. Again, another pricing and delay of time issue. If the auditor doesn't know ahead of time, they think they're done. Uh, they, they're wrapping up and they look at the 5,500, which they have to match to. That's another um, audit um, requirement. And all of a sudden, wh- what's this? You know, there's something else showing up on here. Um, that can cause a big delay, could cause it to fall out of the limited scope exemption. It might be a big enough asset or, or series of assets that uh, it no longer qualifies for limited scope. The rules around that are a little squishy. They're not exact. So different auditors might treat that differently. So again, something to to talk to them about upfront is the kinds of assets that you have and where they are. And yeah, very um, important. Yeah, it's, again, you want to, the biggest thing I think when it comes to these audits is to know what, to have the auditor know what you're going into. So be upfront in the, um, in the quoting process, make sure they, you know, they're asking those questions or you're most likely running into a good auditor here because they want to have as much information as they can prior to going into the audit. So um, believe it or not, we are right at time. Um, so Kim, I'm going to give you the final thoughts here. I'm sure there's a couple other things that people need to think about when it comes to pricing, but if you want to hit on those real quick and then um, thank you for joining us. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, the, you know, the key is just as you mentioned, uh, before you, you call, start calling around your auditors, make some notes of all of the things that we talked about. So when you're talking to the auditors, you know, you're not having to say, oh, I don't know, I'll have to get back to you. It, it makes it a lot smoother process. It'll be easier for you quicker. Um, and then if they're not asking those questions, you know, 
<laughs> you probably need to wonder, well, I wonder why they're not asking. Um, and I would be just up front and ask them, don't you need to know a little bit more information to do the pricing? And, and they, the pricing should be transparent. They should be able to tell you um, what are the factors and why is that important to us? And then anything unusual. So if you're terminating the plan, you're transferring um, assets into or out of the plan, you know, you're, you're, you've bought a subsidiary, those folks are going to come into the plan or not, or any unusual things that have happened in the in the year that you're going to be having the auditor take a look at that you want to let them know those as well so they can factor all that in. But best general guidance, make sure you know, you know what's going on with your plan so you can discuss that that fixed fee thing we talked about earlier. Um, and spend a little bit of time, you know, don't don't rush this decision because um, that can come back and, and cause you problems at the end, as we talked about. Yeah, the, the auditor you're talking to shouldn't be able to quote you price in the first two minutes. Be like, yeah, this, this is this is a $10,000 audit. There's a lot of questions that need to go into it, and they really need to be thoughtful about what it takes because either um, they don't know what they're doing or they're willing to eat those costs if those things come in or they're going to charge you for them later. So I'd say it's probably more likely yeah. <laughs> the first option or the third option. <laughs> so, that's they're right. Not, they're yeah. not in the business to eat costs. So no. um, you got to make and sure they- you know what you're getting into. They may do it the first year and then, you know, you, you're thinking, wow, I got a really low cost provider. This is great. And then you get the quote for the second year and it's double, (laughs) you know, and you're like, whoa, (laughs) what just happened here? But um, so, yeah, you don't want that either. Great. Well, thanks again, Kim. Uh, This is a, this is a great topic. I know I, I learned a lot, especially about 103. Three C. I learned, I learned a lot today. So I appreciate (laughs) you coming on and uh, I'm sure the audience does as well. Thanks, Jamie. Enjoy this podcast? Visit our website at summitcpa.net to get more tips and strategies for achieving 401k audit success. We're here to be a resource with ever-changing rules and regulations.